Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. It's Dr. Lisa today. I'm going to be doing an update on habits. We did record a previous episode covering the four tendencies, which is Gretchen Rubin's framework for personality types of why people do or don't keep certain habits or make behavior changes. Today, I'm going to dive a little deeper into James Clear's book called Atomic Habits. We're going to talk about using triggers to help us make lasting change and for those behaviors to become automatic. We're going to walk through some ways to make lasting change because, you know, it's that time of the year. We're now in officially the first day of spring here. And a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, but don't always keep them. There was a study that showed that for three consecutive years, 44% of respondents were either likely or very likely to make a resolution for the upcoming year. But do those resolutions stick? Not usually. There's even um, some days that have been chosen to that are called like Ditch New Year's Resolutions Day. That was January 17th. Other people denote the second Friday in January as Quitters Day. So that's not very long to stick to resolutions. And a lot of times we don't have systems and processes in place to make those goals or resolutions last. Um, and how many people actually do stick to their resolutions? Well, there was another survey done in 2020 that found that 55% of respondents kept their New Year's resolutions for less than a year. 11% lasted at least six months. 14% lasted at least three months. So we're almost at the three-month mark here. And 19% lasted at least one month. 11% lasted less than a month. So let's change those statistics. Let's make healthy changes, healthy habits stick. Um, more people get success if they pick more action-oriented goals where they're going to incorporate a new behavior as opposed to an avoidance goal. Like, so if someone were to say, you know, I'm going to quit smoking, that's not going to be as beneficial as saying, instead of going out for my smoke break at work, I'm going to go for a walk. Um, so you want more of those action-oriented goals to have more lasting success. From these surveys, it showed that more people are prioritizing mental health. This was looking from 2023 data. Um, so the people that wanted to make change or resolutions, 44% uh, of the respondents listed improved mental health as their 
number one goal. 39% listed improved fitness, 37% listed losing weight as a goal, 33% listed having an improved diet, and 30% listed having improved finances. So those numbers don't add up to 100. That's because respondents had typically more than one goal, but mental health was a huge one. Rightly so, with everything that's been happening in the world, you, you know, with the pandemic, which is now an epidemic, and there's been so many disasters and unfortunate conflicts around the world, which I think are really taking its toll on everybody's mental health. So I want you to think about a certain health behavior, a certain goal you want to achieve as we walk through um, this, this podcast, as we walk through this information. First of all, I want you to think about why you have certain habits, right? So why do you do certain things, whether they're in air quotes, a healthy or unhealthy behavior or habit? So first you have, there's three parts to a habit. So you have the trigger, and the second part is the behavior, and the third part is the result or the outcome. So the trigger is something that automatically gets you to do something. So let's say your alarm goes off in the morning and you hit snooze. That's the trigger and that's the behavior. Other people, the alarm might go off in the morning. They might jump out of bed and put on their workout clothes. Um, so you can see how a trigger can elicit a certain response or behavior. And that behavior could be, in air quotes, healthy or unhealthy. After the behavior is complete, there's a result or an outcome. So you might have a reward with either positive or you might have some negative feelings that result. So if the person, you know, the alarm goes off, um, they hit snooze, they're going to sleep a little more. So they might have an initial positive reward, but then they might be running behind and late for work. So then it could become negative. But for that person who, you know, the alarm goes off, they jump out of bed, they put on their workout clothes, they might feel a little tired and really not want to do exercise. So there might be a bit of a negative feeling there, but then they get their workout done, they feel energized for the day. Um, so then there can be that positive result or positive feeling or outcome from that behavior. So James Clear talks about five different triggers, um, and we're going to unpack each of them to figure out how to use them to your benefit. So the first trigger he talks about of the five, so this is from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. He talks about a time trigger. So the time trigger was the alarm goes off, right? It's a certain time and you check your phone. Or maybe another time trigger is it's 12 o'clock and you walk over to the fast food restaurant to get your lunch. The second trigger is a location trigger. So maybe you walk into the kitchen at work and you see a plate of cookies or a box of leftover Halloween candy that someone brought in. And that might be in the location where you actually reach for the cookie or the mini chocolate bar. Or maybe every time you go to the cottage, you swim in the lake for, you know, 20 minutes, 10 minutes every day you're there. 
that could be a location trigger. The third trigger James Clear talks about is a preceding event. So you hear an alert on your phone, you hear a ding, you might automatically check that alert. Or maybe after you go grocery shopping on Sunday, you go out for lunch with your friend. So that's using a preceding event as a trigger. The fourth trigger he talks about is an emotional state. This is a big trigger for a lot of people. So let's say emotions of anxiety or depression come up. Maybe if you're feeling anxious, you might reach for that bag of chips and eat them mindlessly. Or you reach for that glass of wine or that beer, or you say, oh, I need a drink. If you're feeling depressed, maybe you avoid doing what you need to do. Maybe you take a nap. Maybe you numb yourself with TV. You kind of want to shut your brain down and not deal with those emotions. And we can use other people as a trigger too. So you might have those friends that you know when you're going to go out with them to the bar, they're going to order that second bottle of wine and you might drink too much. Or you might have that friend where you get together with them. They always want to go for a nice hike or they might want to go try a yoga class or spin class together and then go for a nice cup of tea after. So other people can trigger excuse me, certain behaviors in us. So I want you to think about how you can use one or some of those triggers to elicit change. People can feel overwhelmed in anything new. So jotting down on a piece of paper or in a spreadsheet, all the things you do in a day, all the habits you have. And then in the column beside that, putting either a plus or a minus sign. A plus meaning it's a positive behavior that you want to keep. A negative sign meaning it's not really adding value to your life. It's something you'd like to eliminate. So you might have a glass of water right when you go down into the kitchen in the morning. So that could be a positive behavior. So you're probably going to want to keep that. But let's say um, for a negative behavior, Every time you eat breakfast, you still feel hungry and you go out and you get a coffee and a pastry. So that would be a negative behavior if you feel that's not something you want to do. That's taking away from your day and not helping you reach your health goals. So then you may look at how can you make your breakfast more satisfying so you're not going out, wasting that time and spending that money. So you can do a habit inventory and then think about how you'll free up some time. If you're not doing, you know, those negative behaviors, you're going to have more time to incorporate those positive ones. How can we use those five triggers to our advantage? And I do recommend you go back and listen to the four tendencies episode, which we'll link to. So you know what your tendency is and how to work with it. There's ways to circumvent why or why we don't incorporate certain habits. But we're going to talk about how to use these five triggers for your advantage. So how can you use time in your benefit? Well, you can schedule your workouts in your calendar. You can schedule when you're going to do meal planning, grocery shopping, and actually meal prep for the week. You can make it non-negotiable, just like a work meeting. Maybe you need to do it with your partner, with your friend, 
figuring out ways to actually get that done. How can you use location triggers for your advantage? Well, you might have to go down to the basement every morning to turn off your alarm. And down there, you might have your exercise equipment already set up and your workout clothes down there. So there's really no excuse. It's all there. It's laid out for you. You know, when you go in the basement first thing in the morning, that's what you're going to do. We can use a preceding event to make So let's say you want to start practicing gratitude and expressing gratitude on a daily basis, but you're not really a journaler, you don't wanna write it down. So every time you sit down to dinner, you might share one thing you're grateful for with your family, with your loved ones, and they can take part if they want to as well. So that just becomes part of your routine. How can we use an emotional emotional state as a trigger for our advantage? So let's say you're feeling anxious. You might pause, you might set a timer for a few minutes and listen to a guided meditation. You might do some breathing exercises to see if you can change your state. Maybe you go for a walk, even like a five minute, 10 minute walk around the house, around the block, up and down the stairs, and then see how you feel and reevaluate. Or you smell some nice essential oils, you close your eyes and you listen to relaxing music. Or if you're feeling depressed, maybe you, you know, allow yourself to feel that emotion. Maybe you have a friend that you can call to discuss how you're feeling. Maybe you type an email out to your partner, write a letter to somebody, book an appointment with a therapist. Um, So taking that first step to work through that emotion can be so powerful. Using other people. Well, we want to surround ourselves with those who are going to support the habits we want to incorporate. So think about your circle of friends, of family, of colleagues, of um, in people in your community, of your neighbors. And if you see one of them doing something you want to start doing, reach out to them and get together with them and ask them to do that activity with them. Or pick their brain on how they started doing that and what worked for them. If you're seeing that friend, you know, it's your friend's birthday and she's the one that always orders the second bottle of wine at the restaurant and you can't say no. Well, before going, you can set expectations. So you can say, look, I'm driving tonight. I'm going to get up early. Uh, I don't want to drink too much. You could say, You know, I'm really trying not to spend too much money, so I'm just going to buy one glass of wine, but you go ahead and get what you want. Um, So we can set those expectations before we meet those people. We know that our habits are influenced by those that we surround ourselves with. We know that our happiness levels are influenced by our circle, not even just our inner circle, but even our outer circle. So there was a study where participants completed the Center for Epidemiological Studies Depression Index. So they basically just filled out a form rating their depression levels. And if they became happy, the chance of other be- others becoming happy around them were 25% for a friend living within a mile, 8% for a spouse living with them, 14% for a sibling living within a mile. 
34% for a next door neighbor, 10% for a friend of a friend, and 5.6% for a friend of a friend of a friend. So someone that the person didn't even know could become happier if they themselves were happier. So there's that trickle down effect, that ripple effect. What we feel spreads to those around us and the circle can get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm not saying ditch those friends who are going through a tough time or maybe suffer from depression or anxiety. You definitely want to support them and be there for them. But you also want to curate some time where you're going to be around people that are going to influence your mood in a positive way as well. James Clear really drives home the point that small, consistent daily habits translate into huge gains over time. A lot of times we think we have to go from zero to 100. Okay, you know, if someone's goal is I want to run a marathon, they're like, I got to start running an hour every day. Well, James Clear points out that this is not true. So let's say someone wanted to walk 30 minutes per day. That can feel daunting if they're walking zero minutes per day. So they could start by walking for five minutes the first morning. And then the next morning, they might add on a minute. So they're walking six minutes. The the third day, they're walking an extra two minutes. So they're walking seven minutes a day. If they continued on improving a little bit every day or adding on a little extra time every day, after 26 days, they'll have been walking, they'll be walking 30 minutes a day. And it won't feel like a huge jump because it's just a minute extra each day from the start. He talks about trying to be 1% better every day. So if you were 1% better every day, After a year, you would be 37 times better at what you started out doing, which is pretty amazing. That's a huge jump. So it becomes exponential. For for people who are not getting better every day, they're getting 1% worse every day, they're going to hit a baseline and they're going to be at zero, right? Over that year, um, even before then, they're just not going to be improving at all. So aim to be 1% better every day, and then it doesn't feel as daunting. You don't have to go from zero to 100. James Clear drives home the point, too, that systems are more important than goals. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. So you can set that goal, right? I want to run that marathon. That can be limiting, though, because that can be a momentary change. It can be restricting your level of happiness because you might not feel happy until you complete that goal. We want to enjoy the process along the way. It's important to note that winners and losers both have the same goals, but the winners have those systems in place to reach that goal. Goals typically don't favor long-term progress because, you know, somebody might reach their goal. They run the marathon. They, you know, lose a bit of weight so they don't have joint pain anymore. Um, But is that goal going to last Maybe not, right? They might have had to do extreme measures to reach it that are not sustainable. So we want to look at how we're getting to the goal. We want to make it fun and we want to enjoy the process. And I think it's also important. We want to pick a goal that we truly enjoy that we're going to look forward to. We're not doing it just because somebody else is doing it. 
because you're not going to have that success. There are three layers that can make behavior change possible. A lot of people start with the outcome, which we can think of like the layers of an onion. So the outcome is the outer skin of the onion. Um, the outcome is what we get out of a habit or an action. So it's, you know, completing that marathon. The processes are the inner layers of the onion. That's what we do to reach that outcome, to reach that goal. So that would be training with the running room three times a week, running on your own once a week on the weekend, getting enough sleep so that your muscles can recover so you're not constantly achy and sore. And then the inner part of the onion, the middle of the onion is the identity, the core. It's best to start here. We want to start with a goal or a habit change, which is something we believe something it's like the person we want to be we want to identify as that person so if you really identify with being an outdoors person you're probably not going to enjoy going to the gym so you might look at okay if you want to exercise you might look at hiking and then booking travel around hiking up some pretty cool mountains. So starting with the identity, with something that's going to um, be something you believe in, the type of person you want to be, is going to be more effective than just saying, oh, I'm running a marathon because that's supposed to be healthy and that's what my coworker is doing. So really start with that inner identity core and then figure out the processes to get to the outer layer, the outcome. So how can we use the principles of the atomic habits to start exercising? Well, we can use the time-based trigger. So you might work out right when you get up. I know some people actually sleep in their workout clothes or work out in their pajamas. It just takes away an extra step. And some people may work out at home as opposed to going to the gym because it's just easier. It's the path of least resistance. You can schedule it into your calendar, make it non-negotiable. And maybe you need to be accountable, right? So using that other people trigger, you might, you know, give your friend your one of your running shoes and your friend gives you one of theirs. And you know, if you don't meet them at the spin class or at the gym or the yoga class, they're not going to be able to work out. So that's using other people as a trigger. You might use other people by, you know, scheduling a dance class or going dancing so you get your exercise that way. How can you use location to start exercising? Well, I mentioned you have all your equipment set up in the basement. So you go down in the morning and you see it right there. Or right when you get to the gym, you know you do a five-minute workout and then you head over to the free weights. Using a preceding event to start exercising. Well, you might do a 30-minute walk right before lunch, or maybe you do 10 minutes of strength training in your work clothes before you eat breakfast or before you finish your day or before the afternoon work meeting or your snack. Um, so you can use um, time-based and preceding events that way. For the emotional state, when you're feeling low energy, when you're feeling anxious, sometimes exercise is the last thing you want to do. But it actually helps to boost energy and burn off those stress hormones. 
So you might do an exercise that is easy, that gets you outside. Maybe you even just dance to your favorite song. Maybe you walk around the block and then see how you feel. Most likely you're going to feel better. And so you can commit and say, okay, I'm going to do one to two minutes, five minutes of exercise. If I still feel low energy or I still feel anxious, okay, I'm going to stop. But you might have a bit of buffer. You might have extra time. So if you're feeling good, you can continue on with that workout. And we already talked about using other people. Uh, we can use um, some advanced maneuvers to start exercising. So using something called habit stacking. So instead of sitting at your computer, if it's a phone meeting, maybe you go for a walk during the phone meeting if you're able to. Instead of sitting on the couch and talking to your friend, maybe you talk on the phone as you go for a walk or do some yoga stretching. Um, so that can be some habit stacking, pairing it with something else. We want to make exercise attractive, as I already mentioned. Pick something you know you're going to enjoy. You can make it even more attractive. So let's say you like to read those trashy tabloids. Well, maybe you only let yourself read them when you're on the stationary bike, the spin bike at the gym. Or you watch one of your favorite shows while you're running on the treadmill. And you can use what's called the two-minute rule. So just start with one step towards that action. So if you want to start exercising, maybe you just start by tying your shoes. Or maybe you just start with two minutes of exercise. And then each day you can add on an extra minute. You can have these exercise or movement snacks as opposed to thinking you need to exercise at an hour all at one time. That could be daunting. But if you're exercising two minutes, five minutes, three, four, five, ten times a day, you'll see how that adds up. And lastly, we'll use the atomic habit principles to drink more water. So many people know they need to drink more water. They know if they don't, they're going to get dehydrated or they're going to have low energy. They can have a low grade headache. Um, you're just not going to think as clearly. So how can we use atomic habits to drink more water? The principles of atomic habits. So time trigger, you can have a glass of water right when you wake up. Maybe you have the glass of water on your nightstand. Um, so it's right there. And that's the first thing you do. Maybe you take a sip of water every time you check your email. That can be time-based or preceding event-based. Using a preceding event to drink more water. So you go to the washroom, then right after you fill up a small glass of water and you drink it. Using location. Maybe that night you put water bottles, reusable hopefully, around the house. You put one on your desk. You put one in the kitchen. Um, you have it in various rooms. So it's there. It's right in front of you. So you're going to drink it. You can do that at night. You can do that in the morning. You might fill up a bunch of water bottles and stick them in the fridge if you like them nice and cold and then pull them out first thing in the morning. And maybe you start to recognize if you're feeling low energy, you're feeling an emotional state, maybe you're feeling anxious, it could be because you haven't drank enough water. So you might tune into that and be like, oh, this is a sign I probably need to get something to drink or maybe something to eat. So that can be um, the trigger, the emotional state, because you know if you have more water, you're going to feel better. Using other people to drink more water, well, you can join a water challenge at work. You can have various ways to track how much water you're getting, you know, buy one of those water bottles with 
the mLs, the amounts on the side, so you know how much you've drank in a day. And there's a lot of good water reminder apps um, that you can use. I think there's the Waterminder app, Waterlogged, um, that can pop up a notification on your phone so that you take a sip. So I want you to think about how you can use those five triggers. Um, oh, before I conclude with that, you can make drinking water more attractive, right? So maybe you always bring your reusable water bottle with you when you're in the car. So you drink it um, as you're running errands or going grocery shopping. You can make it more attractive. Maybe you add some fresh lemon or lime juice. There's a lot of good electrolyte powders that you don't even typically need, even the full scoop, that are usually sweetened with stevia that can make it a bit more enjoyable. You might have some sparkling water. Using the two-minute rule to drink more water. Like I mentioned, fill up the jugs of water, the glasses in the morning. And take the path of least resistance. Maybe you take a camel pack of water when you're hiking or going for a long walk. So it's right there. There's no excuse not to drink it. And then how can you stay on track? A lot of times we derail. I went through those statistics. So, you know, the by the second week of January, a lot of people have given up on their resolutions. And some people are actually seeing June 1st as another starting point to have healthy habits as an intention or goals or resolutions as an intentions, but you know now that the processes and the systems are so important, right? And any moment can be a trigger for new change. It doesn't have to be that clean slate, that January 1st, September 1st, or when the kids are back to school, or a Monday morning, or after a holiday. Every moment is an opportunity for change, and you only need to do 1% better. So there's the mindset around habit change. You want to avoid derailing progress. Even if you have a setback, that's okay. You can just make a different choice in the next moment. It doesn't have to be all or nothing because we know perfection is the, perfectionism is the en enemy of progress. So do that habit inventory and get rid of the habits that aren't serving you so you have the space and time to bring in the new ones. You can track your progress in an app, Gretchen Rubin talks about using the gold star method. So if you have a calendar on the wall or on your desk, every day you do that behavior change, you put a gold star on there. So you can see day after day the gold stars in a row, and that can be a motivator for change. Maybe you plan to give yourself a reward. So if you've quit smoking for a year, instead of spending the money on cigarettes, you're going to spend it on that dream vacation you've always wanted to go on. And we can use others by being accountable. So tell those around you the changes that you're making. Maybe you have a check-in with your friend by text every day to make sure you're staying on track and not beating yourself up if you haven't, but figuring out why you weren't able to and how to navigate that and avoid that all or none thinking. Every moment is a chance for a different decision. So I hope I left you with some food for thought to make lasting health changes 
and healthy habits that stick. So really think about those processes and those symptoms. That's what is so important. And you can start in the next moment if you want. It doesn't have to be Monday morning. It doesn't have to be June 1st. But every little bit, even 1% a day makes a huge difference after a year. So now I'm going to shift gears and share my super mom moment. So Stuart's birthday was the end of February, and we didn't plan his birthday party until the end of March. So it's coming up this weekend because of other friends' birthday parties in the March break. So I'm just going to pat myself on the back because I've been getting things ready slowly over time. I'd already got the um, loot bags, the things to put in them. Um, We're planning the party games. We took care of a bunch of organization and prep for the games that we're going to be playing. So I'm just spreading out all the work that needs to be done and getting Stuart involved in it as well. And he's actually really excited to help. He had fun decorating his brown paper bag loot bags with stickers. Um, He had fun putting in all the loot inside them and filling the pinata. Um, So I'm just going to pat myself on the back for not leaving it to the last minute. My mama mess up. Well, Pete and I have been really busy and we've had a lot of fun family activities. Like we went bowling this weekend and we went skiing and we visited with some family and had a nice lunch. So needless to say, you know, it took its toll. We were a little bit worn out. So we actually let Stuart play a little bit longer on his computer. He has some computer games and we do have the old school Nintendo with Super Mario 3. So we play that with him or he plays it on his own. But we actually gave him a bit too much time and you can see how addictive it is because the longer he's on, the harder it is to get him off. Um, We can get him off. And when he does get off, he does shift and eventually play with with some of his toys um, and gets that screen break. But I know he had a little bit too much this weekend, which which happens, right? So um, we'll forgive ourselves for that. And then a mama must have. So a mama must have is definitely having something planned in the calendar that you're looking forward to doing for yourself. Um, So I mentioned I'd had a getaway with a friend overnight to the Trace Resort, which was amazing. Um, We planned, my sister and I planned a girls night in April. So I'm really looking forward to that. Even booking a massage is something to look forward to. And I'm planning a night out with my mom as well to check out some music and to go out for dinner. So if you don't have something in the calendar planned for yourself that you're looking forward to and you know maybe connecting with others I highly recommend you do that it does make the everyday mundane tasks a little easier to get through what else is happening well Dr. Tony's next hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety to support their natural instincts around labor and birth is next month so join her at www.hypnobirthingcalgary.com forward slash register I have a free webinar you can choose from two dates called How to Thrive in Perimenopause and Beyond. So there's one on March 29th and one on April 3rd. I'll share the sign-up sheet with the sign-up You can also join my Facebook group, Wild Women Adventures Toronto, if you want to get out in nature and connect with other women. I'm going to be starting up the activities since the weather is getting nice, um, and I look forward to that. So thank you for joining us today. 
You can email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out our show notes at www.perimenopausalmamas.com. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. You can also support us by visiting our Patreon page. So please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too and stay safe and healthy, everybody. Until next time.